Last week we uh, spoke about what it takes to cross over. We're in a series uh, which is our theme for this year, Imagine. And what are we imagining? We're imagining a harvest beyond our expectation. Because I want you to know today God loves people. Amen? God saved you because He loves you. Look at the person next to you. God loves you. Alright, now listen, he didn't just save you because he loves you, he saved you because he loves you and he loves whoever you're going to touch. He had someone else in mind when he saved you, amen? He had someone else's life that you're going to impact and touch and we need to be aware of that. And so we spoke about last week what it takes to cross over. We said, number one, you've got to let go of your old season. Amen? So that you can step into your new season. Number two, we said you've got to take that first step. And we'll see that this morning. You've got to stop making excuses and finding reasons to justify why you're living in your old season, why things aren't working out, why you're not happy with this and you're not happy with that. Look at the person next to you. Stop making excuses. You've got to lose those issues. Amen? Lost thy issues, let go and step into the new season. Because until you do that, the enemy will continue to make it possible for you to live in your past. Amen? And then we said number three, it takes a new way of thinking if you're going to step in and cross over into what God has for you. You're going to have to learn and train yourself through the Word of God to think differently. And so we finished here in Joshua chapter 3. Let's pick it up from verse 12. That's sort of where we were reading. And it says, Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, which represents the presence of God. I mean, if we're going to go over, we've got to go with the presence of God. We've got to go in the presence of God. We've got to go knowing the presence of God is with us. Amen? And so the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream. Now notice, God gives Joshua instruction. That instruction becomes the promise of God. That becomes the mandate, the strategy of God. And he says what? The minute the priest's feet touch the water, say the water, the water will dry up. Okay, remember that thought. And uh, it will be cut off upstream, the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its bank. We spoke about last week that in chapter 2, when he sent the spies to spy out the promised land, they could cross the Jordan easily. God did not have to do a miracle for them. Now we weeks down the road and harvest season and come and the Jordan is, river, is literally overflowing its banks. It's now impossible for the children of Israel to all cross over safely. Don't be moved when the river gets, uh, when the river gets wild, when the waters are rising, when it looks like nothing's happening. That's where your faith starts to count. Can you say amen? And so they, they, they march towards the water and look what it says. As soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water began to dry up for a great distance. Notice it didn't dry up when they got close. Amen? And I'm sure those, those priests were thinking, Oh Lord, please let this work. Please let this work, Lord, else we are dead meat. But as they got close, they were this far, and it didn't dry up. They were this far, it didn't dry up. They were that far, they were that far, they were that far. It didn't dry up until they touched the water. Look at the person next to you, say, you've got to touch the water. 
You've got to step into the promise that God's given you as if he's already done it. Can you say amen? Then it goes up. It says the water dried up all the way to Adam near Zarephan. The water dried up below all the way towards the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Say dry. Then some of the people crossed over. Then all the people. Look at the person next to you. Say you are included. Look at the person on the other side. Say we're not going without you. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Hear me today, church. You've got to learn to trust your leaders, trust your pastors, trust where God's planted you. Because God spoke to Joshua and said, this is the promise. And they went with the presence of God and they followed what the men and the leadership of God had said. Look at the person next to you. Say, trust your prophets. Trust your leaders. Amen. Those priests didn't get their own word. They didn't hear from God for themselves. Now, I know today we can, so I'm not limiting that, but I'm saying you've got to find the promise of God for your life and you've got to be planted where God wants you to plant it, be planted so that you can move with the anointing of what God's doing in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? How many you know this morning, my finger is not my body? Imagine if I got up this morning and my toe said, no, I'm not going to church. I'll tell you what I felt like this morning when I woke up after being disturbed the whole night every hour with barking dogs, electricity going on and off and every other thing going wrong. I felt like this morning saying to my feet, you go to church, I'm going to sleep in. How many know that can't happen? Because where you go, your body goes. So don't tell me this morning you're a Christian, you're just going to serve God on your own. That's like my finger saying I'm not going to church today. Look at the person next to you. Say, we're all crossing the river. You see, Joshua was given an assignment, but it involved everyone. Because he couldn't do it alone, and they couldn't do it alone. Kingdom ministry is always team ministry. Can you say amen? That's why we need unity. That's why we need each other. Say this with me. Say, I am called for this time. That's why every believer must become a leader. Every leader becomes a disciple maker. There will be obstacles. The river will overflow the banks. But we've got to keep moving forward. Amen? We don't let the obstacle that's in front of us steal our faith. We don't let the challenges rob us of what we're trusting God for. As a matter of fact, when you encounter obstacles, challenges, problems, attack, persecution, it's a sure indication, unless you're living in sin, it's a sure indication that you're actually going the right way. Because you do not take spiritual territory without a warfare. You do not take spiritual ground without the enemy trying to stop you and discourage you and talk you out of your promise. Say you won't do it. Notice, the minute they stepped into the water, something started to happen. So today I want to talk to you about standing firm in Christ. Say, standing firm in Christ. Amen. You've got to get some backbone. Can you say amen? You've got to get some spiritual gumption that says, I ain't going to quit. I ain't going to give up. I ain't going to stop serving God. I am not going to back down, back off, or back anything. I am going forward. 
Could someone say amen, please? Just encourage me a little bit this morning. Now let's read on. Look at verse 17. So they step into the water. The water starts drying up. They begin to cross. And look what it says in verse 17. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. What did they do? They stood firm on dry ground. You see, they stepped into the promise of God. And while they were standing in the promise of God, with the presence of God, that water could not overtake them. That water could not overflow them. That water could not touch them. Can you say amen? Sometimes God doesn't take the problem away. He just puts it aside so you can walk through to do what God called you to do. Hallelujah. Say to the person next to you, I'm walking through. Then it says, some of Israel crossed over. On dry ground. Thank you for helping me preach. How many? All of them crossed over on dry ground. Until all the people had crossed completely over. How do you know they're making a point here? They all crossed over until they all had completely crossed over. Say we're not going half measures. We're going all the way. Can you say amen? Look at Philippians 3 verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else. Say everything else. Counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ. You see, we've got to be willing to let go of anything that God's not in anymore. Amen? And you know, that might be nice things, good things, comfortable things, things we cherish, things we like, seasons we love. Sometimes God says, I'm finished with that, Larry. It's time to move on in Christ. It's time to take hold of the new thing, of the great thing, of the wonderful thing. And what did Paul say? When I see the infinite value of knowing Jesus, whatever I have to give up is garbage anyway. Look at the person next to you, say garbage. He says, because when you give it up so that you can gain Christ, your life goes to another level. 2024 is the year of the harvest. God wants to use you to win someone to Christ. God wants you to impact the community. God wants you to impact your family. God wants you to be a history maker and a world shaker. Can you say amen? And so what we need to do is we need to step into what God is saying. God gave us a word. God put this on our heart. And I thought about it this morning. And I got a little bit emotional because it's quite significant that this word came from Pastor Laurel, who's now late. And we're still going to step into the, word, into the prophecy and the word that she gave to this church. And this was that word. What would have taken you 10 years, God will do in one year. Amen. That becomes a promise that we're going to step into. Now that means you can take that promise and apply it to your life. That means whatever the enemy has tried to steal from you in the last 10 years, God can restore it this year. How many say, Amen, I'm taking that. How many, what was Pastor Ben saying today? He was saying sometimes you've got to rise up in the spirit. You've got to get mad. You've got to get determined. You've got to say, you know what? No way. I'm standing firm on the promise of God for my life. Can you say Amen. Give the person next to you five, say, it's time to do it. It's time to Nike it. Can you say amen? Now let's look at verse 9, Philippians chapter 3. We're going somewhere this morning. And become one with him. All right, so he says, I lay aside everything. 
I count it as garbage that I may be, that I may gain Christ and that I may become one with him. The, the King James says this, that I may be found in Christ. If we came and looked for you today, where will we find you? Amen? Are we going to find you in Bafana, Bafana? Amen? Are we going to find you Googling whatever you Google? Are we going to find you all busy with all the stuff of this world? Or will we find you in Christ? I love what Pastor Don said this week. He says the people that give him the hardest time are the people that have been there the longest time. Because we get religious. We get the old brother mentality. How dare you celebrate the son who was off living in sin. Now you want to cut the fatted calf. Don't you know I've been here my whole life. And you never killed me a fatted calf. And the dad was like, whatever's mine is yours anyway. Kill a fatted calf every day. Party in my presence. Why have you got so religious that there's all these rules and your self-righteousness that stops you from walking in the freedom and the liberty of trusting the Lord with all your life. Hallelujah. Bump someone next to you say, it must be that empty chair that he's speaking to this morning. The King James says that I might be found in Christ. Listen to this. Not having my own righteousness. Amen? Not having my own righteousness, but uh, that comes through obeying the law, but rather that I become righteous through faith in Christ. How do you become righteous? By faith in Christ. How do you become righteous? By faith in Christ, trusting the Lord that His righteousness is your righteousness. It's not your perfect work. It's not your good attitude. It's not everything you do right. It's everything He already did right. Can you say amen? That motivates your life every day to live your best life. Can someone in the church please shout hallelujah this morning? I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Say faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him. Listen to what Paul says. I want to know Christ. Look at the person next to you. Say, I want to know Christ. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Turn to the person next to you. Say, man, I hope you suffer this week. How you know... My sermon next week, you must come along. It's going to how to be a sufferer. How you know that doesn't sell CDs? That doesn't fill the church. But Paul is saying, listen, I want to be connected. I want to experience the resurrection. And I understand if I'm going to partake of the resurrection, I'm going to have to go through the suffering. Because listen this morning, church, you do not get a resurrection unless something dies. Say, Pastor, what, what are you saying? I need to kill my wife? Are you saying I need to kill myself? You're like, are you giving me a straight? No, no, no. You've got to die to self. Die to your own ways. Die to what you want, how you want it, where you want it. Pastor, I can't believe it that person sat in my chair. I'm very upset. I've been coming to this church for 12 years. And Pastor, I've sat there every week. And I walked in this morning and I had to sit somewhere else. Get over it. 
I remember in this one church years ago, they had a fundraiser and they said, buy a chair. I mean, what a novel idea. Buy a chair and we're going to fill the place with nice, soft chairs. The pastor was so excited about his godly idea. And they raised many, many, many thousands of rands. And then he realized the people literally thought that was their chair. And one day one of his elders came up and said, Pastor, I've had enough. These people are sitting in my chair. And you know what he said? Go and screw the chair and take it home and keep it. Don't worry. No one came to me about the chair. I'm just using an example. But look what he says. I wanna, some of you are like, Gee, I wonder who it was. No one in this church, because you all love to sit wherever you sit. Amen. Smile at the person next to you and say, yep, got it. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Listen, so that one way or another, I can experience the resurrection from the dead. So you see, when I decide to lay down my selfish own ways, when I decide to let go of the things that are in my life that shouldn't be there, when I put away the common, I can experience the resurrection that will elevate my life to a place where I walk and live in the Spirit, and I begin to tap into the Spirit of faith that will launch me into my ministry, because I want you to know today, you are called by God. Look at the person next to you, say, you have a calling this morning. And so we can experience this resurrection. You see what he's really talking about, Paul? He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about being set apart. He's talking about every day when your flesh wants to do its own thing, there needs to be a death and a burial. Because then there can be a resurrection. Amen? And so that's set apart. Laying down common things. When I consecrate myself today, I can conquer tomorrow. Amen? So I'm going to conquer tomorrow. Because I'm living for God. Now have a look at this. You see, when you leave the common things, you can step into the river, you can step into the presence of God, and you can walk in your calling. And the Bible actually says, your calling is a holy thing. Say a holy thing. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says this, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His purpose and His grace, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, holiness isn't you becoming better, perfect, and never doing anything wrong. Holiness is you acknowledging Christ is perfect. He is holy. He is always right. He is always ahead of you. He is always over you. He is always full of righteousness. And when you take hold of that and you acknowledge that and you make that your life, it fills you with the strength to live the same way. That's the power of grace. Can you say amen? And notice something, Jesus spent his whole life helping other people. He spent his life. Do you realize that? He, spe- he gave his life to help others. And when we recognize that, it levels us to a place where we move forward. Paul goes on in verse 12. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah. Look at verse 12. It says, not that I have attained or already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Can you see what he's saying? That I may lay hold of Jesus and the thing that he laid hold of me for. God laid hold of you for a reason. Can you say amen? And when you catch that reason, your life starts to have meaning and purpose and clarity. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward for the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. 
in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. Say, have this mind. And if any of you think otherwise, God will even reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In other words, he's saying you've got to get positioned in faith. You've got to find your position in faith and you've got to know the promises and the purpose that God's given for your life. And you've got to hook that up and connect it to where God has placed you in the local church because what you offer is incredible. What you offer, no one else can offer. What you bring, no one else can bring. What you uh, produce in your life will make the body complete and whole. And when you get positioned in faith, remember we said this, position determines your condition. So if you're not happy with your condition, change your position. Amen? Realize I'm in the wrong place, in the wrong position, so I'm going to adjust my position so that my condition can be right. And then we start to see the kingdom mandate will start moving. Let's not be a church this year that camps on the wrong side of the promises. Amen? Touch the person next to you. Say we are crossing over this year, and we're going to cross over on dry land. So... Talking about faith, listen to this very eye-opening scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 6. It says this, for though, he, or for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall also live with him by the power of God towards you. Look at the next verse. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. <laughs> Who must examine me? Who must examine you? See, I, I don't have to examine Mandy. I don't have to examine William. I don't have to examine Andre. Who must I examine? Myself. Notice God's not going to examine you. You've got to examine yourself. Can you say amen? As to whether you are in the faith. Listen, test yourself. Say, I'm going to test myself. Do you not know yourself that you, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that you are not disqualified. This word examine is the Greek word parazzo. It means to endeavor, to scrutinize, or to discipline. So he's saying, examine, discipline, scrutinize yourself as to whether you're in the faith. Why? Because when you recognize you're not, you can adjust it. You can shift. You can say, okay, Lord, this is the area I'm going to trust you with. Father, he has a promise that I'm going to stand on for my life. So let's look at how does it, what does it mean to stand in faith firm in Christ? Well, let's look at the word faith. The, in, in, the, in the New Covenant, the, the word faith in the New Testament has three meanings, three different meanings uh, that, that the, of the Greek word that is used for faith. The first one is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And that word faith in the Greek means this, a persuasion or a conviction, or a reliance on God. All right. So, so when you've got faith, you're going to have a conviction about what you believe, where you're going, what you're trusting God for. A conviction is something that is opposite to convenience. Amen? And people today live by convenience. If it suits me, I'll do it. If it doesn't suit me, I don't, you know, because I've got a life. Conviction is, I don't have a choice. I've got to live this because I trust God. 
It's a persuasion. Can you say amen? It's a, it's a, a belief system that causes you to rely on God. The second word, and we'll look at some of these through the next few weeks, is the Greek word alpis, E-L-P-I-S. And that means to anticipate something with pleasure. To be expectant or confident of something that you believe will happen. Alright? So faith creates an expectation. And then the third word, which is actually the root word of these two words, is the Greek word pistos. P-I-S-T-O-S. And that word means faithful. Say faithful. Alright? In other words, it means that you see a person and you know that person to be trustworthy and believable. So when I say I have faith in God, what I'm saying is I trust the faithfulness of God. God is believable. God is who He says He is. God will do what He says He will do. Can you say Amen? So what we need to recognize this morning when it comes to faith is we need to recognize that being in faith is about trusting God to fulfill His word because you trust His character. You know Him. You believe Him and you believe what the Bible says about Him is true. I love what Pastor Bert says. He says the problem is this is I actually believe the Bible. <laughs> I actually believe the Bible is true, and I live my life as if it's true. In other words, he's saying, we can complicate it with all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, we've got to believe the Bible. We've got to trust God. We've got to believe God is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. Can you say Amen? And then, you see, we make the Bible the reference and the frame of reference for our whole life. If I see it in the Word, that settles it. If I see it in the Word, I believe it and I'm going to do it. And so conviction is developed in my heart. So listen, I no longer am blown around by every wind of doctrine because I'm standing firm on my faith. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you say, are you standing firm? Here's what we then recognize. Faith governs the whole kingdom of God. Faith governs the kingdom of God. Hebrews 11, 1, 2, 3, you know it well. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the faith is what governs God's kingdom. We could say it like this. Faith is the currency of heaven. Amen? Just like the rand is the currency of South Africa and the dollar is the currency of America and the pound is the currency of the UK, faith is the currency of heaven. Bump the person next to you say, that's great news. Because while the rand might be 1 to 22 pounds or 1 to 18 US dollars, it is 1 to 1 with kingdom of faith. Amen? Because the kingdom of faith out-trumps, out-lasts, out-does every other currency of the world because the currency of the world is based on a Babylonian system that is ungodly and evil. Faith is based on a God who is trustworthy, honest, and true to His word. Hallelujah. I don't know who you want to live by, but I choose to live by the currency of faith. Can you say amen? And you and I, if we're going to tap into the resources of heaven, we need to understand what it means to tap in with faith to who God wants us to be. Are you getting some help this morning? Bump the person next to you. This is a great message. Tell them. 
So the pastor can go at least another five minutes. Put up your hand if I can go five more minutes. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. Amazing. All right, now, let's build a little bit. Faith, because it's the currency that controls or the currency of heaven. Listen, faith is not your emotions. Touch the person next to you. Say, it is not your emotions. As a matter of fact, I want to make this statement. It's so important. Faith has nothing to do with your emotions. Faith is a spiritual law and you cannot understand and you cannot operate faith in the soulish realm or the natural realm. It is a spiritual currency. It is a supernatural belief that God is who He says He is. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I want to try and be as nice as I can. I want to try and be kind as I can as your pastor. But here's the reality. Too many of you are letting your emotions control who you are, what you do, and how you deal with life. Bump the person next to you say, it's got to be you this time. It cannot be the empty chair. Listen, and as your pastor, I'm not preaching down at you because God's been dealing with me. Larry, you let your emotions and your wrong thinking determine the decisions you make. And when you allow that to determine your decisions, faith is not operating. Faith will impact these realms. Faith will impact your emotions. Faith will impact the soulish realm. Faith will impact the natural realm. But it operates in the spiritual realm. Why? Because God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Can you say amen this morning? Oh my word, where did all the time go this morning? I had so much more to share with you. But anyway, we'll pick it up next week. But listen to this. Our faith is developed by standing on the word of God, believing the promises of God, which means faith must become a lifestyle. Amen. Faith must become a lifestyle if it's going to impact my life, if it's going to impact my marriage, if it's going to impact my finances, if it's going to impact the way I minister and see other people. Faith must become a lifestyle. In other words, progressively, your faith needs to grow and your life needs to become one that is controlled and motivated by faith. In other words, you do not switch faith on when you get into trouble. Church, listen to me this morning. Faith is not designed to be your spare wheel. It's supposed to be your steering wheel. Someone can just hashtag that. TikTok it. Facebook it. Twitter it. Instagram it. Faith is... Is not a spare wheel, it's your steering wheel. Can you say amen? It's the route to everything in your life if you're going to serve God properly. You say, Pastor, can you prove it from the scripture? So glad you asked. Quickly, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let's have a look at this together. I'm going to just rush through this and then we'll pick it up next week because I don't want to leave this unattended. It's in my spirit. In verse 22, it says, Let us, say let us, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast our profession 
of faith. Say profession of faith. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. For he who is faithful that promised. And let us consider one, an- consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembly together of ourselves as, the manner of, as is the manner of some. But encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can I ask you something? What is a profession? If, if I say to you today, what is your profession? What am I asking you? What do you do for a living? Paul is comparing faith to something you do as a living. It's your profession of faith. But I want to just take it a little deeper. Your profession of faith is not what you do, it's who you are. Can you say amen? And when we allow faith to govern us and allow faith to, to be part of our lives as our profession and who we are, it lifts our lives to a place where we're no longer governed by what's happening around us. We deal with what's happening around us, but we're not governed by it. We're governed by what God says about us, who God says we are. When people come against me and say, oh, can you believe that, Pastor Larry? Oh, he's evil. Can you believe? It doesn't affect me one little bit. All it tells me is that, wow, God must really love me. God must really have something great in store for me because I'm a son of the Most High God. My identity is not what people say about me. My identity is not what I feel about myself. My identity is, Larry, you're a child of the Most High God and when God is for you, who can be against you in Jesus' name? Can someone give the Lord praise this morning? Alright, just quickly. This word profession is the Greek word homologio. This is what it means. It means to acknowledge or to consent. I acknowledge the word. I consent to the word of God as to establish a covenant. So this is something I do based on my covenant with God because Jesus died. He took lashes on his body. He got whipped. He got beaten. He got nailed to a cross. He shed his blood so that I could have this covenant. I am not going to live my life that Jesus died in vain. Amen, and nor are you. We're going to have faith. We're going to have homologia. We're going to acknowledge and consent to what the Word God, of God says. 26 times in the New Testament this word is used, and it means this. It means to speak in accordance with. It means to adopt the same terms or language of the covenant. It means to engage with the covenant as if you believe it's true. Bump the person next to you say, I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. So what I want to do now, we'll, we'll pick it up next week, is I want to give you a formula for faith. Now, when I say a formula, I'm not talking about something you just religiously use to try and get things from God. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Amen? The things will come, and it's good to exercise your faith on the promises, but this is the way we live. This is how we build our church. This is why we bring our tithes. This is why we minister to people, because we're convinced that God is who He says He is. Can you say amen? That Jesus is our most prized possession. Hallelujah. And so I'll just give them to you, and then we'll dig into them next week. So there are five things. Number one, you've got to hear it. Number two, you've got to say it. Number three, you've got to do it. Number four, you've got to receive it. And number five, you've got to tell it. Okay, can I give them to you again and then we'll look at them next week because we don't have time this morning. Number one, I've got to hear it. Number two, I've got to say it. Number three, I've got to do it. Number four, I've got to receive it. And number five, I've got to tell it. In other words, when I get something from God, I need to make sure 
that I go testify to someone else. Because how did they overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so these five things are so important if we're going to grow in faith. And I'll talk next week about our confession. What should our confession be every single day of our lives? I'll I'll show you how to get hold of the promises of God. And for the next few weeks, we're going to imagine what God's going to do in our lives, in our church, in our business, in our marriages, in our children's lives. Can you say amen? Are you glad you came to church this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around just for the next 30 seconds. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never personally received Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you might have gone to church all your life. You might know about God. You might even read your Bible every day. That does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is you coming to a place, like it says in Romans chapter 10, we'll put it on the screens, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So on the count of three, if you're watching online, you don't have to raise your hand, you can just respond. But if you're in the auditorium, if you'll raise your hand, today is your day. Today you're making a decision to receive Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. On the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand up high. Say, today is my day. I'm accepting Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to be born again, and I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there someone this morning? Just raise your hand. God bless you. I see that hand at the back there. Is there someone else? If you raise your hand, would you quickly, quietly stand to your feet, because I'm going to lead you in a powerful prayer. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Is there one more person who say, yes, today is my day. Man, we are so excited. If you just stand there and and watch me. Is there someone else who wants to join that young lady this morning? We are so excited about that decision you've just made. God is showing up in your life this morning. Is there one more person? If you're watching online, we're going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer. And once you've prayed this prayer, if you'd send us an email or send us a WhatsApp, we'd love to know that you made a decision this morning. Church, I'm going to invite you to pray. If you'll just pray this out loud with me, just be sincere in your heart. God is going to do the rest. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, today I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that you raised Him from the dead so that I could be saved. I open my heart and I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. You are now born again. You are now washed in the blood of Jesus and you are brand new. Come on, let's give the Lord praise in this house right now.